Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about meditation and how to use that as a parent, how it can help when you have overwhelm or anxiety. And I know you might be thinking, that sounds great, but how do I fit that into my life? Well, today's guest, Kelly Smith, shares all about that, how to make a meditation practice that you'll actually stick with. And she shares a little bit about her journey and as an expert treat. She leads you through a meditation. And I have to tell you, I'm not the best at carving out time for meditation. And when I was sitting there letting her just lead me through, it felt amazing. I could feel the tension and stress that all the time is living in the back of my neck and shoulders soften. And I just felt so much better after it was maybe five minutes of a meditation, which just goes to prove you don't need to do it for hours and hours at a time to reap the benefits. So it's really fun. But let me tell you a little bit about Kelly. So Kelly Smith is a mother and globally celebrated yoga and meditation teacher. She is the founder of Yoga For You and hosts of the iTunes chart-topping podcasts, Mindful in Minutes and Meditation Mama. Kelly believes that there is not a one-size-fits-all approach to yoga and meditation and encourages her students to find their own personal practice, listen to their bodies, and find inner joy by accessing their authentic selves and owning their power. And Kelly specializes in prenatal and postnatal meditation, yoga nidra, and restorative yoga. And her voice is just really calming. I think you're going to very much not just enjoy the meditation that she offers at the end of our conversation, but really our whole conversation. So before we get to that, let me just talk about some of the things going on at PYC. So right now, now we're in the middle of our jumping into January yoga challenge. Online folks can do that too. So check that out on our website. Those that complete the challenge, you're going to get a plastic water bottle with the PYC logo. And we're going to raffle any of those that finish the challenge. We're going to raffle a one month unlimited. And again, you can take our classes online or in person. So check that out if you want to commit to some yoga for your mind and body. We are here for you in person, online, jumping into January challenge. 
And then we also have our teacher training. So maybe you're a yoga teacher or kind of considering that path of being a yoga teacher. We have four trainings we do a year. Two are in person in New York City and two are online. And those are our prenatal yoga teacher training. And then once a year, we have an online postnatal teacher training. That is in, I believe, the end of May. So you can check all that out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. Okay. Then the last thing I just want to throw out to you is one, I hope you're having a wonderful new year, but also I'm here to serve you. So if there's a topic I haven't covered, or maybe I did cover it, but you have an expert that you want me to speak to, send me an email or they can fill in the application to come onto the podcast. You can always reach me at Deb at prenatalyogacenter.com. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you want to hear about. All right. Perfect. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Kelly. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I am so good. How are you doing? Um, I got a little cold. So listeners, I apologize if I sound like my nose is plugged because it is. So besides that, I'm pretty good. Well, hopefully the cold passes soon because that's never fun. I know. Both my kids have passed it back and forth to me. But anyway, so I am super excited to talk to you today because we're going to talk about some of my favorite things. We're going to talk about yoga and meditation. And what I'm super excited about, and I've never done this on the podcast. I mean, you're all had at this, leading a meditation on a podcast. But I know you're going to lead a meditation. And I am so excited to just sit back and finally have like a forced carved out time to meditate because as much as I intend to do it on a daily basis, I don't. So I think this conversation might solve many problems. <laughs> so thanks for being here. Well, I'm, well, thank you for having me. I can't wait to lead you through your your little mini meditation break. Okay. All right. So let's start with, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and how you found your way to yoga and meditation. Yeah, so I started uh, first with yoga. So I was uh, an athlete all the way through college. And I started with yoga for, quote, like the good stretch. Um, And I, you know, even like in middle school, I was using yoga as a form of cross training for my sports. And then when I was 16, my mom was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and I was her primary caregiver at the time. And it was during this time that I really started to be introduced to some of the softer sides of yoga. Um, So restorative yoga, meditation, you know, using different like visualizations, breath. And that kind of piqued my interest at that time of not only how yoga and meditation, they have this like softer side, but also what a lifeline these practices can be during really, really challenging times um, in life. And I continued to, you know, not pursue it. I, I checked all the boxes and went to college and got a degree and found a man at college that I ultimately ended up marrying and, you know, got a quote real job. And I always, you know, had this love for, for yoga. And I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training after I graduated college. And 
a few years later, I was just kind of teaching yoga on the side, um, but I moved for my husband's career. And I ended up moving to a one bar, one Walmart town um, in rural Missouri. And I decided at that time when I had to leave my family, I had to leave my job, um, everything that maybe this was the universe giving me the opportunity to pursue what I loved. So I started teaching yoga and I found that a lot of my students were looking for something deeper. They may not necessarily called it meditation or even been comfortable with the word meditation, but what they were describing to me, um, you know, being able to focus or calm their emotions or regulate their emotions or just connect with themselves to me sounded like meditation. So I feel really strongly about, you know, you can't really teach anything that you don't do. So the short of the story is I went on the internet and I unintentionally found this group of monks that were living in the middle of the forest in Missouri. And I created uh, an online friendship with them and they invited me to come stay with them and study a particular style of meditation called TWIM, which is Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation or Meta Meditation. So for a couple of weeks, I took... Um, my little tushy down to the Mark Twain forest. And I took a vow of silence and I spent day in and day out uh, meditating, learning how to meditate, how to connect with myself. And since then, since that experience, I have, you know, taken that and fused it into all different aspects of my life, including what I do now, which is um, running a company called Yoga for You, which is location-independent yoga and meditation school. And I have two meditation podcasts. One is Mindful in Minutes, which is just kind of general guided meditations. And then um, the one that I know is near and dear to both of our hearts, Meditation Mama, which is um, kind of a prenatal, postnatal guided meditation podcast. And I've always just, you know, I, I've loved to learn a lot of different styles of meditation and just, yeah, I don't know. That was a long answer to your question. <laughs> no, but. It was, that was delightful. Um, that made me think of a few questions. One, the first is how long was your vow of silence? It was for about two weeks. So not like terribly long, um, but definitely long enough for it to be really challenging. And in that time I found, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know, Deb, if you feel the same way, but like, I think that people think podcasters must be extroverted because we like, we talk so much, yeah. but for me, I'm kind of just like, um, like a loud introvert in a way, or like an outgoing introvert. <laughs> and I, yeah. like, I really like alone time, even if I do a lot of, you know, talking and communicating for my job. Um, like I, my cup gets refilled by like quiet alone time. And I, I realized during this vow of silence, like how much talking I was doing without intention. Like I was just talking just to talk or to fill a silence or an, or an uncomfortable silence or just feeling like I needed to put something out there. Um, so the first few days were hard, but it, it honestly got way easier. And it was kind of nice by the end of just not having the pressure of feeling like I had to communicate um, with others. So if, if anyone is, you know, curious or wanting to practice some intentional silence, I, I highly recommend it. It's not always easy or pleasant, but it's really powerful. I have to say that my, what I surprised myself when, as soon as you said that in my brain, instinctually, I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. And I was a little surprised by yeah. that because I am quite the talker, even though I am an introvert. So I think there is something to carved out intentional silence that my, obviously my heart and soul is craving. All right. So let me continue with kind of meddling into, <laughs> into 
to your mind in life. So what, what drew you to focus on prenatal and postnatal meditation? Now I know you do general meditation, but you have a whole separate podcast and focus on prenatal and postnatal meditation, prenatal and postnatal meditation. What, what sparked that? So honestly, when I got pregnant, um, with my son who I just referred to as pork chop. Um, you'll hear me talk about him in the podcast, not his birth name, but just, you know, his kind of <laughs> podcast moniker. Um, but I, so I had a pandemic pregnancy and I'm not sure if any of your pregnancies were pandemic pregnancies, no, um, but I, older. Mm, so I, I found myself, you know, and he's my only child as of right now. And I found myself, um, you know, in lockdown in this like 700 square foot apartment. Um, you know, I, I had my, I had mindful minutes and all of a sudden I was, I was pregnant. I was really scared. I was really sick. Um, pregnancy, you know, I, I honor the women that enjoy pregnancy. I happen to not necessarily be one of those. I was grateful for the process, but I don't think my body loved being pregnant. And I just, I've always written and created meditations for my own personal practice. And when I was kind of navigating, you know, this really kind of scary, uncertain time for both me, my body, my baby, and also my my business and just everything that was happening um, during that time, I just realized, like, if, if I, as a meditation teacher, need these tools and these practices to navigate all of these wild ups and downs during pregnancy and, you know, ultimately beyond into kind of that, you know, postnatal period, other women need it too. And I, I wanted to share what I was doing and to help kind of create this space um, during kind of the pregnancy journey, which is a really intimate and personal journey that every you know, person who finds themselves pregnant is on. Um, so really it was just kind of art imitating life, which is how I've always kind of done my meditations. That is interesting. Yeah. I was very curious. I didn't know you had a pandemic pregnancy. So yeah. how has meditation impacted your experience at, in motherhood? I did find, you know, like I talked about, and and when I say I had a pandemic pregnancy, like I found out I was pregnant. I, you know, got those two little pink lines like four days before lockdown, um, and so it was like a full blown, like the whole the whole shebang, if you will. And so I found that one, it it helped me a lot during these kind of uncertain times. It not only helped my mental and emotional state, but I felt it really helped me to connect with Porkchop um, when we were sharing a body. And it was a really nice way for me to not only take care of myself, but to kind of feel like I was building and nurturing this relationship with, you know, ultimately what was a stranger. Like I hadn't really like met him yet, but he was, you know, living in my womb. And, um, I just, I, I really found it to be a beautiful way for us to connect. I, I would, you know, tell my husband that, you know, Porkchop and I were going to go meditate. It was a thing that we, that we did together. 
And then I found it to be a really useful lifeline um, after he was born uh, because I suffered from, um, you know, kind of postpartum anxiety. I think we hear a lot about uh, postpartum depression or we at least hear some about. And I I didn't hear a lot of people speaking specifically around kind of postpartum anxiety. And I, I get the irony of a meditation teacher being anxious, but it was something that I really kind of struggled with. Specifically, I was struggling with the idea of Porkchop going to sleep. Um, and I wouldn't let myself sleep when he was sleeping because I felt like I had to sit there and watch him in case something bad happened and what if he needed me. I now know in hindsight that that's not necessarily like, you know, I'm not the only one that felt that way. That can be a pretty common way that postpartum anxiety can kind of show up in your life. But I found it to be a really useful tool to quiet my mind and quell my fears around that particular um, thing that I was experiencing and to also work on connecting with my body when I was pregnant and then work on healing my body um, in kind of that postnatal postpartum period. Again, multiple questions popping into my mind as I'm listening <laughs> to you. All right, which we're going to do first. Okay, so the first one. I, think, I love it. <laughs> I know I have all these lists of questions and I'm like, we'll get to them, but I'm just reacting to what you were saying. So when, so Okay. I'm looking at the timeline. You found out that you were pregnant four days before everything kind of fell apart. And then in those first several months, even year, there was such, I mean, so such little unknown. Like I remember, and this isn't everywhere in the country, so I recognize that, but we were like cleaning our groceries and, you know, masking and mm. staying away. Did you find that meditation gave you kind of a through line of like, I don't know what's going on out there, but in here I can get quiet and meditate. And this is something I can touch back to every day. Did you feel like it gave you a little stability? A hundred percent. It very much felt like I cannot control anything. And a big piece of that fear and worry was given the nature of my business, which was, you know, I do a lot of like continued ed trainings and things and a lot of travel. Um, so, you know, there was, you know, all the flights were, you know, pulled and it just, I was worried. I thought I was going to lose my business at the same time too. And I just felt like, you know what, I, everything is so out of control right now. Like I can't even, you know, move my body. Like I felt like I couldn't even like blink without like throwing up. And I was just like, you know, it's chaos around, but meditation allows me even for a short little moment to become the eye of the storm, um, which is what I used it for is to kind of create that space of stillness and calm within when kind of all of this chaos. And my husband was a medical resident at the time, um, working in the COVID unit. So there was, you know, an, an extra layer of uncertainty with, you know, we're sharing this small space and what's happening with him. And, you know, it just was like, that was the only thing that I really had in that yeah. moment was like, was, was my practice. Yeah. No, trust me. I understand the anxiety of, I own a yoga studio. I totally understand the anxiety yeah. of like, it was, it was yeah, terrifying. It was, scary. It was yeah. terrifying. So, and then my other question was, oh, wait, what was my other question? So the first one was, um, meditation. Oh, anxiety. Cause you had mentioned yeah. anxiety. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So let's talk about anxiety. <laughs> I had actually just recently interviewed one of my friends in her birth story. And she talked a lot about anxiety and kind of something similar, like she would want to watch, she felt something that she couldn't sleep because she wanted to watch her son sleep. And that made me think like that related to what you said. How were you able to get support for that 
during this time that things were still relatively remote by the time you probably had your son? So I, I firmly believe that, um, we, you know, as mostly women, I think sharing these stories and sharing our experiences, like I firmly believe that whether, you know, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or whatever you're experiencing during pregnancy, because, you know, prenatal anxiety and depression, that's a thing too. Um, but I think that when we share these stories and when we share our experiences, with the, you know, not always rainbow and sunshine part of pregnancy and birth and motherhood. I think that that is kind of a a service that we can do to other women, not always focusing on like, you know, the, the wonderful, beautiful, there are a lot of wonderful and beautiful things, um, you know, as we know that come with motherhood, but there's really big struggles too. And um, so I appreciate you asking me about this and giving me the opportunity to share it because something that I feel really strongly about and part of the inspiration behind Meditation Mama is like, I want to give, you know, women tools and to be able to navigate again, the ups and the downs and the ups are great. And the downs can be really, really low and both are valid. So I found that I don't know if it was like a hormonal thing or whatever it was. Like I said, I I didn't feel like I really experienced a lot of postpartum depression necessarily, but the anxiety at first, the first few weeks was very intense for me. And to your question of like, how did I receive support? So I, one thing that I did was I, I reached out to kind of, you know, the circle of women, we all kind of have like the mom group chat or whatever it is. And I tried to be really open and honest and like tell the people that I trusted what I was experiencing, asking for any help. Um, I also, you know, like you can like telehealth, like therapy. I did that. I found that to be useful. Um, Using the tools that I have for my meditation toolbox, I found that to be useful. And, um, and Deb, I don't know how much um, you know, into the weeds. I haven't listened to all your episodes, but I don't know how like woo-woo people like to get um, on your show. But honestly, I something that really helped me was I asked the, um, like I asked my uh, grandma who has passed. I, I started doing this thing and I shared this story over on my podcast um, but there was something really comforting in in me. There was a time in which I was just standing there, like looking over pork chops, little bassinet, and being so worried. And this, like, and I just almost heard this like voice in my head that was like, "You go to sleep, honey. I'll take the night shift." Ooh, and I don't even it's know, really comforting. like, it was really comforting. And like, sure, maybe some people would be like, "Well, that sounds like postnatal psychosis." I don't know. But for me, I was like, that felt really comforting. And I kind of asked whatever it is that you believe in, um, like having faith and relying on that and having comfort in whatever it is that you believe and being like, okay, like whether it be angels or guides or, you know, your grandmother or whatever it is to trust that maybe there's other people that can watch over your little one while you sleep. And ever since then, to get through that, there's something where I would just be like, okay, you know, grandma so-and-so, um, thanks for taking the night shift while I sleep. Like, we'll, we'll swap again in the morning. And that was just, that moment was really comforting to me. And so relying on whatever you want to call it, my faith or my, maybe that was just my intuition. I don't know. But trusting that too felt really good and comforting to me in that moment. I really like that story. <laughs> Thank 
Thank you. Yeah. I mean, each person's going to have their own interpretation and I'm not a particularly, um, I guess we can call it woo in quotes. I I have my own spirituality. (laughs) I'm pretty (laughs) data driven on most things, but I will say that my dad died many years ago. I was in my mid twenties and every now and then I do kind of draw to him and be like, okay, what to do? (laughs) Help me here. And I think sometimes a connection to a lost one, a lost loved one could be just a way to focus my mind or really just to reach out. Like I need help. I don't know who else to turn to. So I'm going to turn to you. So I can respect that. Not everyone, you know, I might get some eye rolls listening, but I can relate to that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And, you know, and I think you just have to like, whatever it is that resonates with you in that moment, I felt really strongly about that. Um, You know, that experience, it felt comforting to me, but, you know, just do what it is that you need to do to feel better and to find that comfort, whatever that is. Yeah. So let's dive a little bit more. You gave some suggestions for anxiety. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about some other ways about dealing with overwhelm of motherhood and a few more of your suggestions. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. All right. So we were talking a little about anxiety. So what are some other ways that you have dealt with overwhelm in motherhood and what else can someone do when they're feeling that? So a few of my favorite tips, or I guess a few things that I shouldn't call them tips. I'll say things that I learned the hard way. Um, one of them is kind of, um, double-edged sword of asking for help and also knowing and honoring your need to say no. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling overwhelmed as a mother, I really like to do what I call kind of like a thought audit, which is doing an audit of your thoughts, like what's happening within me and around me, you know, what, what's causing to this large mental load or this overwhelm that I'm experiencing. So for me, that felt like in some aspects, asking for help. So either delegating or saying, you know, I really don't need to be doing all the things all the time. This one, you know, I can put the 
the dog food on auto reorder or whatever. I don't need to be stressed out because, oh my gosh, what if I forget to get more dog kibbles or whatever it is. Um, And then on the other side, learning and honoring my need to also say no. So for me, that looked like recognizing when maybe we had had enough family visits for a while and I just needed, you know, some time to bond with my baby. Uh, Porkchop was the first grandchild and he's deeply loved. We're very fortunate for that. Um, But with that came, you know, having to set certain boundaries around how often was family going to come visit or be around the baby and not letting that contribute to the overwhelm. So, you know, what can I, you know, where do I need to say no and where can I ask for help in doing this like thought audit and just being honest with yourself about like what makes up your mental load and what is contributing to your overwhelm. I also found that um, taking these little short breaks I, for me, at least it was unrealistic to be like, oh, every day I'm going to wake up and I don't know um, about you, but I, before kids, I would maybe have a more robust morning routine or evening routine or (laughs) self-care routine. And then I became a mom and I was like, well, throw that out the window. Like I just, (laughs) I like washed my armpits and my child's dress. So I'm like winning at life. And I, I mean, that's really how I felt. And I only have one child, so I don't know how you do it with all three. Um, I live too. I live too. <laughs> oh, oh, well, it's still impressive. <laughs> I, you know, it is impressive. And, but I found that um, I, I really started to struggle with kind of overstimulation. And that was leading to my overwhelm. And I'd never really experienced that before, given the nature of, like, my work. Um, You know, I I had the tools in my toolbox to kind of combat this overstimulation. But for me, it felt really being really, like, touched out, Um, you know, lots of noise all the time, just kind of, you know, not sleeping well. Like, I was just really overstimulated. So I found that taking these short little breaks to be quiet, to be alone, maybe to meditate, also maybe just to like go into the bedroom where the lights are off and like just breathe for a few minutes and to quiet the senses was really useful for me. And then also creating a like a very simple meditation practice. So studies tell us, because I know, um, Deb, that you're also a, you know, a, a lover of science like I am. Yes. So studies tell us that eight to 10 minutes a day of meditation is enough to get the mental, physical, and emotional benefits of meditation and what actually happens over time, speaking specifically like to kind of overwhelm and anxiety is what happens over time. So usually when you meditate daily for around the eight week mark is your brain actually starts to change. So what happens is the amygdala, which is the pain, fear, worry center of the brain. It's kind of like the drama queen of the brain. It kicks off the fight or flight mechanism or the physiological anxiety responses that actually begins to become smaller. And many people with anxiety, the amygdala has a tendency to be, um, you know, overactive. And so what we're doing is when we're meditating, we're quieting the amygdala and we're focusing on one thing, which activates like the prefrontal cortex, also the hippocampus, which have play a big role in memory and higher cognitive function and emotion regulation. So ultimately what we're doing is with this regular meditation practices, we're rewiring our brain to have smaller physiological worry, pain, and anxiety responses and to have a better ability to regulate our emotions, to be able to focus on one thing and to be able to perform at the cognitive level that we want to. Um, So I found that that was, although it at times felt daunting isn't the right word. Um, I guess I should say I found like I struggled to find the time to do it. 
um, it was something that I always felt better after I did it. And I found it was such a useful tool in my toolbox to add this little micro habit of daily meditation um, during, you know, kind of those early, I shouldn't say the early days, still to this day. Now I have a two-year-old, right? And it's like, no matter what season of motherhood you're in, like this is something that I found to be really useful and beneficial um, with overwhelm and also with kind of navigating those emotional highs and lows of motherhood. It's funny. As you talk about that, it's something my my whole gut and body are like, I'm craving that, which makes me realize clearly I need to be more serious about honoring my meditation that often, like you said, it, it's something in many of our back minds, like, yeah, I should do that. I should do that. And it keeps getting put aside. Like something comes up, I'll do it after that. I'll do it after that. I'll do it after that. But you're conversation about it, everything in my body's like, okay, Deb, you really need to take this seriously. And then as I was listening to you as well, my son has ADHD and I keep thinking as many times I've tried getting him involved, I think I got to reinvest in that because the idea of helping kids, especially those that are neurodiverse with self-regulation, I think it's such a great tool. A hundred percent. Your son and I have ADHD in common. Um, so I already, he has a very special place in my heart. And, you know, it is like I find, and you didn't necessarily answer or ask me this question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. <laughs> but I find that, um, especially with any children in general, because the question that usually follows something like that is like, you know, how do I get my kids into meditation or how do I incorporate mindfulness like into my family? And I have found that, you know, honestly, one of the best tools. It's like, let your children see you doing well, this. And that. I've tried to model it. That was my idea. I'm like, yeah. I will do it. And then they will. And, and then, then it doesn't yeah. often, <laughs> they usually interrupt me. <laughs> it's, you know, that's fair. That's fair too. Um, but it can be like such a powerful tool for children, particularly kind of, you know, those neuro spicy kids um, to have this practice, but at least, you know, just take it easy. Like, like a minute of meditation could be so powerful for him or a minute of, I should so inspired me. You've so inspired me. I cannot, I'm going to absolutely do that today. I'm going to start and be like, remember when we talked about meditation and I'd be good for you. We tried this. I'm going to just start. I think I started too long. I think I started with like four minutes and I like your idea of like one minute. Let's just do one minute at a time. But that leads me to some people might be listening. They're like, yes, I want to meditate. It sounds great, but they don't know where to start. Or like me and they're like, I'm going to just do it after this task or this task, or I'll do it tomorrow. So how does someone set that up so that they actually stick to it? I love this question. So I find that starting with like, honestly, the hardest part is just starting. I know that sounds like a cliche, but it really is true. I have found so many people when I talk to them about meditation, like even private clients and things like the thing that it's like, they're stopping themselves before they even get started. Right. They'd be like, Oh, I'd love to meditate, but I'm so busy. I'd love to meditate, but my, you know, my brain is, is so busy. I, I'd love to meditate, but I'm a mom. I have all this stuff going on. It's like, you've stopped yourself before you've even like given it a fair shot. So the first thing is, is kind of like calling out your own BS in a way, because remember, we only need eight to 10 minutes a day. So for me, that looks like calling out my own BS when I feel like I'm so busy, 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 and I am busy, but that's being like, but Kelly, where could, what could you do eight to 10 minutes less of 
to make this time. It's almost so many always mindlessly Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. There is a place where you can do eight less minutes of something that is not serving you and just swapping it for eight minutes of something that will serve you greatly like meditation. So the first not official step is kind of just, you know, being really honest with yourself. And once you've, you know, been like, you know what, I'm not going to stop myself before I start. I'm actually going to do this. What it's going to look like is I find, at least with my students, that doing either a first 10 or a last 10 is the most sustainable. So that first 10 minutes of the day, you know, right when you wake up and maybe before the kids wake up or the last 10 minutes of the day before you go to bed. The reason that I believe so many of my students and clients find this to be useful is because your whole day, especially when you're a mom, your whole day, it's like, if you're just like, well, I'm going to get this done at some point today, things are always popping up all day long. It happens to all of us, but hopefully every single day we go to bed at night. And if we're lucky, we wake up again in the morning. And that might be the only consistent thing that you do all day long. So instead of saying at 7 PM every day, I'm going to meditate to say, you know what, I'm going to do my bedtime routine, I'm going to whatever, do my my skincare, set my alarm for the next day, set my phone off to the side, hit play on a 10-minute guided meditation, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to bed. Or it's, I'm going to set, if you're a morning person, I'm going to set my alarm 10 minutes early, I'm going to get up, I'll just sit up in bed, put my headphones in, hit play, listen to a guided meditation. So first 10 or last 10, I find really works well for people. Then trying to find a teacher that resonates with you. So of course, like I would love to have everyone. This is an open invitation to come check out Meditation Mama or Mindful in Minutes. But with that, like I, you know, there is a teacher for every student and a student for every teacher, but not Every student is for every teacher and vice versa. So if you've tried meditation before or you tried like a guided meditation, you're like, I don't like the sound of this person's voice or I don't like the way that they lead that. Like find a teacher that resonates with you and, you know, use the tools that they have out there for you. And at the end of the day, meditation is just single-pointed concentration. It's like taking your mind, if it's a light bulb, and turning it into a laser pointer and just focusing your mind on one thing. So you don't even need a guide. You could focus on your breath. You could focus on a feeling like loving kindness or compassion or energy. You could work with like a mantra. You could, you know, focus your mental power on different parts of your body. If you're practicing single point of concentration, you're meditating. And again, you just have to do that for those eight to 10 minutes. And you literally just do that every day. And that's it. I'm excited about that. I like the single person. I like the single pointed because sometimes when I have a guided meditation, I start to, it takes me more out of my body and that's not the same for everybody, but I like, um, yeah. usually some sort of pranayama or a mantra and that's what helps me. And it's funny, as you were saying this also, I was thinking about my son, he gets migraines and the way I would help him is I would I call it dueling him, but at the same time, it's like you're saying it's, I'm focusing him on something specific. Sometimes I'll do a four, I called some of, you know, of course you're your teacher, some of Rikki Pranayama and I'll often do yeah. a four count in and four count out. And then sometimes mm-hmm. I'll do, um, progressive relaxation, starting at the crown of the head and going down. And he's really able to relax when I do that. And I'm realizing I'm like, all I was doing during that time was basically bringing him into a single point, my, 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 my words and his breath. And he was able to focus. So yeah. thank you for highlighting 100%. that because I somehow didn't put that together. 
No, a hundred percent. And it's really like, it's so much more simple than we think. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. That's like guided meditations work for people, but also they don't work for everyone. And like, I, I believe that whether it be a meditation practice or a yoga practice, or even like, you know, your diet or whatever it is that you follow, like every person needs something different. Like we're all different, unique people. It's about finding the thing that really kind of is in alignment with you. And that's going to look a little bit different and like, let it be fun. Let it not be so serious. Like I think people get in their minds like meditation so serious all the time. Right. It doesn't have to be. It's just like this little moment of care for your emotions and your mind. And you're just focusing on one thing for 10 minutes. It's, it doesn't have to be that serious. Well, now I'm excited. So let's, let's set ourselves up for a short meditation. I'm actually really excited for it. Even though I don't typically go to guide meditations, it tends to be (laughs) those I'm listening to. Like, this is different. I'm interacting with you. So like, I don't know why I feel like I'm, I'm more present with it, but sometimes when I put them on through Peloton or whatever app I have, I find I get a little bit spacey, spaced out. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's because we're communicating and I'm really with you in the space. So I don't know, but I'm really excited about some kind of meditation. So let's do a short meditation. I'm just going to hand you the mic. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So wherever you're at right now, listening to our voices, I imagine you're probably doing a thing. Um, So unless that thing is driving, if you're folding laundry, doing dishes, whatever it is, like give yourself permission to just stop doing that for just a couple of minutes. We're going to do a really short, simple practice. So you can take a minute and just Finish whatever you're doing, get comfortable, close your eyes if that feels good to you. And we're going to start by taking three deep cleansing breaths. So you'll just inhale through the nose and then open mouth, exhale, sighing out. Just we're going to do that two more times. And as you inhale and take that long breath out, just release any of the gunk, any of the stuff that we've been dragging around, you can just release it on this last big exhale. Beautiful. And then we're going to check in with our bodies. So just notice how is my body feeling right now? Is there any part of my body that I'm squeezing? Or maybe it's calling my attention or there's tension or discomfort there. Listen to the signals that your body's sending you right now. And then letting the breath flow effortlessly in and out of your body. Begin to send the breath on the inhale to those areas of tension and discomfort, maybe of overactivity or overstimulation. Let those areas be filled up with that nourishing oxygen on the inhale. And then when you exhale, just releasing any of that tension, any of that discomfort or anything that you want to release from the physical body. And as you do this, just slowly letting the external world fall away as you turn inward.
And in your mind's eye, visualize a pink light surrounding your heart. This pink light is so loving and warm and compassionate. It's like that hug from your best friend that's so comforting. And connect with this feeling, this love, this compassion. And as you're breathing, let this pink light begin to grow and spread throughout your whole body, filling you up with that love, that nurturing feeling into every single one of your cells, letting it grow and spread. And as you do this, you can repeat the mantra, I am worthy of love from others and from myself. Just a few more times, I am worthy of love from others and from myself. Continuing to watch that pink light spread and that feeling of compassion, the warm fuzzies moving throughout you. And one final time, I am worthy of love from others and from myself. And we're going to end our practice by saying one kind thing about ourselves. And together, we'll take a big inhale in through the nose and exhale, sigh it out through the mouth beginning to reawaken and return to the here and the now. And that was your teeny tiny little mini meditation. Deb, how are you feeling? That felt so good. It felt just so nice because I had no excuse not to do it. You know, like Mm -hmm. that time was carved out and it just felt really, really, really good. It just kind of quenched that thirst of like, all right, don't forget this is important for you and you and you enjoy it. So, <laughs> so let's yeah, carve that time. That. It felt like I could just feel everything soften like around my eyes and my jaw and my shoulders. And I didn't even realize I'm like, wow, my shoulders are at a continuous slight engagement and I don't need to do that. It just felt <laughs> really, it felt really, really good. I'm, I'm hoping it, the, the listeners are enjoying that as much. And it was really cool. Cause I'm like, I'm hearing this live in my ears. Like it was just really, I love that. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. That's awesome. I really enjoyed that. And then for a moment, I'm like, oh, I, I wish I had her whispering in my ears all the time. I'm like, oh, I do. That's why she has a podcast. You can have her whispering <laughs> in your ears all the time. Like literally, that was a momentary conversation in my head. <laughs> I could be whispering in your ears all day if you want. <laughs> oh, that was just so lovely. Thank you for sharing that. That was really... Thank you for letting Oh, my pleasure. Okay, we're going to take another break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new and expectant parents? We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. So what would you like to share with our listeners, one final tip or piece of advice? I would say that you are the best possible parent for this child. This is something that I tell myself, and hopefully you can remind yourself of it, you have known and loved your child or children since before they even existed, and 
they are with you every moment of every day and you are with them every moment of every day, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, and you always know what's best for you and your child and trust your instincts, trust your gut, and don't second guess yourself. You truly are put on this earth and your child was put on this earth with you too, because there is no better parent for that child than you. And don't ever forget that. Oh, I like that. That's important to hear. Thank you. Where can people find your work? So um, you can find me on the internet, uh, wherever you are listening to our voices. Um, If you are in that prenatal, postnatal kind of postpartum period, I would love to um, have you over at Meditation Mama. So wherever you're listening to our voices right now, you can just type it up in the search bar. If that's not necessarily what you're looking for, I'd love to have you over on Mindful in Minutes, which I've been doing for five years now. So there are hundreds of short grounded guided meditations for you. Um, if you have questions for me, you can follow me on Instagram at yoga for you online. Um, I love to connect with people, answer DMs, and then you can find information about all sorts of stuff, podcasts, retreats, events, all the things on my website, yoga for you And of course that will all be in the show notes. Kelly, this was so much fun. I just feel so good now. <laughs> I'm like ready oh, to good. face. I have a sick eight-year-old downstairs. I'm ready to face that. I'm going to have a grumpy 11-year-old coming <laughs> home soon. So you really I feel like I'm just a little softer and lighter and more grounded all at the same time. So that was, this is just delightful. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for having me and letting me share what I love with you. You are so welcome. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.